0: Hi, I'm Marie Lorenzini and I work at Jerenzi Lashes and Beauty in Marie Pro in the Woodlands, Texas. I'm today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at annemarie.pro. Cue the music. In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone and in a room, this podcast was created so you can learn, be encouraged and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the Lash Cast Podcast, and here's your host, Paul Lubbers.
1: Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. First, I want to say thank you to Anne-Marie Lorenzini of Zorenzi Lashes and Beauty for being our guest announcer. You can find her on Instagram at annmarie.pro. Now, today, we are fortunate and blessed to have Win Claybaugh join us on our podcast. Wynn is a speaker, author of the book, Be Nice or Else. is a fellow podcaster. It's called The Master's Podcast. He originally started it as a subscription service when he would interview people both in and outside the beauty industry, and then he would mail a tape to you in your home. Now, it's online as his podcast. Definitely worth checking out. Wynn is also the dean, co-founder, and co-owner of Paul Mitchell School. He is a giant in the beauty industry. One of the many reasons we love Wynn is that he really believes in giving back. On his website, it says between 2004 and 2018, the Paul Mitchell Schools have raised over $20 million for multiple charitable organizations. Wynn is extremely generous and is all about giving back. In fact, so much so, he agreed to come on our podcast, which he didn't have to do. He's a busy guy, but he still agreed to do that, which is really nice of him. And we are excited to announce that he's going to be our closing speaker at the virtual last Conference in November. We first saw him at Sirius Business a few years ago. He was amazing, and we were just fortunate enough that he said yes to become and be part of our conference too. So I know that you're going to really enjoy that talk. Now let's get into a couple announcements of things we have coming up. If you've been following us on Instagram, you know that we launched the last conference last week. It's going to be on November 15th and 16th, and it's going to be virtual, guys. If you are struggling with your business in any way during this pandemic or with this coming recession, this conference was tailor-made just for you. We have business coaches, marketing experts, social media pros, salon owners, and more coming to share what you need to know to get your business moving again, moving into 2021. So this is not just a series of videos that you're going to watch over a couple of days, this is actually going to be very much an interactive experience. You're going to get a mobile app that you can download. You can actually watch this on your computer too, but the app's going to be awesome. There's going to be a place where you can upload your information. You'll see all the other attendees. You can actually reach out to them and DM them. You'll see the speakers there. You can reach out to them personally. And there's going to be an interactive area in the virtual, we'll call sponsor room, where you can go and meet and greet and set up meetings and talk to sponsors about products, services, and all that. What's also really cool and what we're hoping to get them to do is that they'll be able to add their own additional webinars right from there too. So they'll say, hey, you can come meet us at one o'clock and you can watch us talk about this new product or new service or something that they have going on. So guys, this is going to be very, very interactive. Plus we have a Sunday night viewing party or I guess virtual viewing part, we'll call it, where we're going to have you guys submit videos based upon a theme, and then we're going to watch the very best videos and hopefully have a good laugh. It's going to be a great time. So we're looking for many ways to make this fun, interactive. If you buy our top two tickets, you're going to be able to get a t-shirt, you're going to get the program, you're going to get a lanyard, and all the sorts of cool stuff, guys. So and Oh yeah, the swag bag. Well, How could I forget the swag bag? So that all said, this is going to be an amazing conference where there's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of the energy that we had from last year, we're just going to take it and Cram it into a phone, basically, and make it really unique and different. So do not miss this conference. Tickets are currently on sale. You just go to the link in our bio on Instagram, and you can buy them there. Or just go to www.thelashconference.com. Second thing is we have another class coming up, webinar, I should say, how to get more new clients than ever in your door. It's on August 24th. It's going to be a two, maybe three-hour webinar. It will not be four hours, I promise. So you've been to the last 2 it's been like four hours, four and a half hours. This one, we have a little bit more control over because the information is not quite as crazy as trying to explain all the glue and allergy issues. So in this class, we are going to share all our strategies, how we grew our business to a seven-digit salon while during the Great Recession back in 2008. So this is a winning formula, guys. We're going to give you a lot of stuff that works both online and some old-school ways to help you build your business. You don't want to miss this course. You can also sign up by going to at Lash Podcast and go to the link in the bio and sign up there. All right guys, let's get into this episode with when we record this in the middle of the pandemic, and we go over a lot of great stuff, guys. We go over stuff like how to deal with difficult times in your business. Not just the pandemic, but just in general. If you're in business, you're going to have a hard time at some point. Something bad is going to happen. You're going to have to overcome it. He talks about stuff like that. We talk about the importance of systems. We talk about mentors and where to get them. We talk about dealing with gossip and many more things. Really, we go through some of the stuff in this book, too. So we get a little preview of his book. I really recommend you guys going out and getting that. Also, I'll put a link in our show notes. I know you'll find this to be a very encouraging and uplifting episode with that all said let's get into today's interview Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We are super excited. We have Wynn Claybaugh with us. He is someone that we first met a few years ago when we were at Serious Business in New Orleans. If you guys don't know anything about that, you've heard us talk about this, at least in the past podcast, how it's really, I think, the best business conference you can go to and we got to hear Wynn speak there and he was the what for us I one of like the two highlights of that whole weekend it was a really amazing time and we we're excited because when actually the book signing afterwards we got a chance to take a picture and have him sign our book in case you don't know anything about Wynn, and you should he is definitely one of our leaders in our industry he's been a hair salon owner he's the co-founder of the Paul Mitchell schools author of a book that we're going to talk about a little bit called be nice or else as well as a host of a podcast you should check out called the Masters Podcast Club. So welcome to
2: the show, Wynn. Thank you so much. And now I want to know who was my competition you said that i was one of two highlights now i want to know who i
1: <laughs> well the other gentleman i think it was the weekend was um joey coleman yeah joey coleman was there that weekend yes who mm-hmm. we uh, <laughs> i was joking you don't have to respond to that. <laughs> we, funny enough uh, people don't know this yet but when we have our conference when is going to be one of our guests as well as joey so we took the, the two people that we loved and really enjoyed the most and we're bringing them to our conference here in the fall but more details about that some other time. Anyhow, thank you so much, Wynn, for coming on. We're excited to sit down and chat a little bit about life and your book and some other stuff, and we'll just see where we go with this. We've really admired what you've been doing for our industry. And one of the things I told Wynn before we got into this is... In the lash world, we kind of live in our own little subculture, and we really want to do a job with this podcast to help open up this world, open up the lash world, to realize we are part of a greater, amazing community of beauty professionals who have been doing this for a lot longer than us, and we have so much we can learn from them. That's one of the reasons why we went to Serious Business, because it's been around for like 20-some years, and there's so much we can learn from them. Actually, I don't know if it's 20-some years. Maybe it is, but it's been a long time. And that said, Wynn's here. He's been doing this for a few weeks or so in the beauty industry, and having him come on and share some stuff, we thought would be great. I'm just so grateful
2: for this opportunity. I never take it for granted that people give me a, a voice, a platform. I'm honored because I feel like the best storytellers, the best leaders, the best mentors are storytellers we learn from our mentors' stories, and we share our own stories, and that's how we all learn and grow. And so I'm I'm just here to share my stories. You said something about that sometimes we act as though we're kind of in this small little bubble, and maybe your industry, the, the, the segment of your industry in the last world is feeling like they're in their own little bubble. And The the good news is that you're not, you're never alone in anything. And it's not like we're just limited to the beauty industry only. I mean, I, along with my team members, we've studied the Disney company. We've studied Nordstrom's. We have studied Ritz Carlton, meaning we can learn from, from other industries as well. You have successful restaurants down the street from your salon that absolutely could teach you things, not only about customer service and retention and marketing, but also how to manage a team of people. And so, you know, the, the resources that we have available to us are, are just endless. And so why anybody would want to live under that rock and think, oh, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody understands how difficult, you know, you're not in the last world, so you have no idea what I'm going through. And mm-hmm. that's just a really silly place to live. And so uh, this is good news that we can share this information. And again, if I can be a part of that that journey for people, I'm, I'm very honored and I'm very thrilled. And by the way, you're not paying me to do this, so... Um, <laughs> I always want people to know that you know I, yeah. I volunteer. I, I want to say yes. It's a habit of mine to just always say yes when opportunities like this come up because I love this industry so much. And you know, I get a nice paycheck. I'm not worried about my paycheck. Uh, so when I have opportunities like this to turn around and give back and be a contributor. You better believe I'm going to say yes to that. So thank you again so much for this opportunity.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things you said that's really important, and that we've said this too in our podcast, because we did this when we ran our business. We looked at other industries all the time outside of even beauty. In fact, one of the things we did is a restaurant that's literally two doors down from us, we noticed that when they basically were um, serving you or if you were walking down, like they're taking you to your table, the waiters would stand aside And pull back and kind of like- Make a gesture, like put their
0: hands close to the chest as a, almost like you go first. It was a very- And they would say something,
1: enjoy your service. Enjoy
0: your service, enjoy your meal. Enjoy your meal. So we stole that. We we loved how we felt when people would just like make room for us as we walked to the restroom. So we said, let's do that in the salon.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a former waiter, I know the stress a waiter feels when their table and things are going crazy and you're feeling rushed, you have to go around. But they stopped in their tracks- pulled back and let you walk by without trying to push around you, which I thought was a wonderful experience and something that we took into our salon. It so. almost
0: becomes a choreographed ballet when you yeah. actually watch your team abide by your guidelines. It's amazing. It's almost like this little dance where people yeah. are walking in and out and yeah. and they're just making way for them. You better
2: yeah. believe it's that, it's that way. We like to tell people that we learned from Nordstrom's that the restroom needs to be a religious experience. <laughs> for people. <laughs> I love Is this. that something that they say it? Well, oh yeah. And, and sometimes in the salon, the, the restroom is ignored by the entire team for days on end. Right. <laughs> the, the the restroom in the salon is the ugliest part of the entire salon when in reality it should be a religious experience. It yeah. should be a place where, like, wow, this is incredible. It looks great. Yeah. Beautiful artwork. It smells wonderful. Yeah. There's a candle lit. It should be a religious experience. And I learned that from Nordstrom. But I stole that. What do they say? If you steal, if like you steal from more than one source, it's called research. And so yeah. we all do lots and lots of research.
1: Amen. <laughs> well,
0: we agree with you with that, that bathroom thing. Our bathroom, we shared it with all the other businesses. And um, in the beginning, I used to think, well, why should I do something to make this bathroom nice? Because we're all sharing with it. But I thought to myself, you know what? All these women come into this building. If I make a difference in this bathroom, everyone's going to know. And so actually we did. We started providing fold- towels. And we started provide you know flowers, and it changed every month. Goodies, like, you know, little uh, makeup, hairspray, stuff like that. People began to say, oh my gosh, we got a lot of interest from that. And just people saying, thank you. And
1: goodwill from the building. I mean, everyone in the building loved us all of a sudden, because we were making their experience in the bathroom of where you have a, a loan or mortgage company, and all of a sudden, their bathroom experience has been improved. So, it was actually kind of cool. So, I say That's this great. to
0: gals who are listening. If you think that you can't do anything because you share a bathroom with somebody else you absolutely can
1: and the truth is i remember seeing our clients go in the bathroom to look at themselves i mean they're in there to examine everything and make sure their lashes look great and if it smells if it's a horrible place it's like going to the sewer to examine your lashes that's not (laughs) going to be a great experience that's not a good experience (laughs) so good points good points all right well now we'll get into it and go where we see where it takes us and all that but as i was saying now we basically know that you know we are coming out of a hard time and people are beginning to get back to work and people are i think learning some lessons like hey you know what I maybe need to have more savings. Hey, you know what? I need to have a maybe better protocols in place to take care of my staff and my, and my team or take care of my family and so forth. So, but hard times are gonna come again. We know that. This is not the first and only time. If we lived for a little bit, 9-11, 2008, you in to see patterns, things repeat, things happen, unfortunately. So for you, I don't know, maybe you could share about some of the hard times that you've experienced and maybe some of the ways that you work through those and some of the tips that maybe you can share with some of our listeners.
2: Absolutely. Now, first of all, I've been in business for 38 years, and so I've seen a lot, and I've been through a lot. Some of the errors or the downfalls in my company were my fault. They were caused by me, and then some of them were caused by things outside of my control, whether it was the economy or, again, what we've been through now, uh, this pandemic is unprecedented. So it's a very interesting time, but you're exactly right that stuff will always, always come up. My good friend talks about being a a one hit wonder. There are musicians that are a one hit wonder. They have one hit and then they want to survive the rest of their career based on that one hit. Then there are people that have that one hit because I asked them the question, like, what's the difference? He said, there are these musicians that they have a hit and they, they relish in that success for a minute. Then as they put their head down, they work hard. They have a system. They know what works. They surround themselves by the right people right? They're, they're not living off that success. While life is great, I don't have to worry about this anymore because I've had that one hit. I've I've had that success. Stuff will always, always, always come up. Maybe not like this pandemic, but who knows? Hmm. So, and by the way, as I share any information here today, I just kind of want to preface this, that to the listener, it really does not matter what your title is, what your role is meaning i don't want people to say well i'm not an owner i'm not mm. i'm not the boss i'm not the manager and therefore i don't need to listen to this information see first of all the reason why it does not matter what your role is what your title is because that the customer does not care how people are being compensated meaning the customer does not care oh well this is a commission stylist mm. or this is a salaried lash right. expert, you know, give me the terminology here. So I'm Lash using, stylist is fine. Lash artist. Lash stylist, yeah. okay. You know, this is a salary lash stylist. And so my expectations can be higher- you know, than if they were a a booth renter. Mm -hmm. Again, the the customer does not care how people are compensated. It's not like their expectations are diminished because it's a booth renter and therefore is not part of a bigger team, Mm -hmm. right? They don't care what your title is, what your position is, they expect what they expect. So you can't say, well, I'm not the boss and therefore, sorry, you can't be happy here. Mm -hmm. And even if you are a salaried or commissioned employee, working for somebody else, meaning you work under somebody else's brand, under somebody else's umbrella, always want to have the attitude that you are in business for yourself. You have one employee, you. Hmm. So yes, you are hired, you are paid to build the brand under the umbrella of another person uh, under another company, but you also want to protect your own brand. Mm -hmm. You will always have your own brand. My name is Wynne Kleba, but Wynne Kleba is also my brand. Even though I work under the Paul Mitchell umbrella or, or under some other umbrella, I still have my own reputation, my own image, my own brand, and I have to protect that and build that brand. So, the messages that I have to share are for everybody. So, When it comes to what we're going through right now or or coming out of this pandemic, I'm not sure when people are listening to this, but stuff will always come up. And here's how we need to approach this is that everything happens for a reason. You know, we all believe that everything happens for a reason.
3: We do. Mm -hmm. And
2: the reason is always for our good. Mm -hmm. The reason is always to make us stronger. You see, I don't believe that God or the universe is trying to screw us up right now, is trying to trip us up. The reason is always for our good, meaning things don't happen to you. Things happen for you. Mm. And so if we're talking just about this pandemic, are you going to come out of quarantine stronger and better than when you went in? Or have you somehow diminished your commitment to this industry? You've diminished your commitment and your passion. your career simply because we just had this bump in the road called a pandemic. So we need to find out what is the reason? What lesson am I supposed to be learning through this? Because I know that there's a lesson Mm -hmm. and all experiences come with a lesson. And I want to learn the lesson this time. I don't want to have to go through this again and again and again Mm -hmm. and come out weaker because of the experience. I want to come out stronger. We have a choice as to whether or not we're going to learn
1: the lesson. I love that because I think a lot of times people, that takes away the victim mentality, right? When you now are taking this chance to say, what can I learn or how this happens for me? I think it's so easy to get in that mindset. It happens to me or I'm a, I am ai have no choice or anything like that. And instead of, it's just, again, like anything in life, mindset, just a little switch flips the other direction. And all of a sudden this can become an amazing starting point. I think 2008 showed for a lot of people that that, was at first horrible, but so many new businesses and ideas came out of that. And then it seemed like actually people really prospered because of the hardship, because of the difficulty, and people were able to grow and find new ways where it's a new business idea or a new way of doing their slum maybe. I know for us when we had our walkout, our big lesson was that we weren't good leaders. <laughs> We, we lost people because they lost hope in us. They thought we weren't worth following and it made us go back to the table and completely rethink about how we ran our salon. And thank God, because we really grew over the next six years and changed everything we did. And I wouldn't say we were ever amazing leaders, but I knew that at least we focused on that and learned and grow and became better leaders because of that.
2: Like with this pandemic, how I look at it, it's like a forest fire. You know, a forest fire that just destroys everything. But what's left after the forest fire? New soil, mm-hmm. more fertile soil. And now new things can grow, new ideas can grow. We can become stronger and better. Now, yeah, some things will never come back. Mm-hmm. You know, some things are destroyed forever, but what can come back is something stronger and better than what we had before.
3: Yeah.
0: I say I love that. And and it all changes with the mindset. When we know that something is happening for us, we can change the way that we feel about it. Sometimes we could be disappointed that the answer is no, but if we're looking at it as if there is a silver lining in this, there's a benefit in it. You know, just like you were saying, the forest fires, there are some specific pines that need that forest fire that comes along because
1: well, they won't grow. They won't yeah. It
0: melts the resin in the pine cone, which exposes the seeds. So it's like Mm. out of yeah. Yeah. So out of this fierce, intense fire, new life can, can grow. And it's the same thing for all of us. I mean,
2: oh, By the way, I can share all of this, but this does not come naturally to me. Trust me. <laughs> you know, I can say, oh, yeah, we have to become stronger. We have to become better because of all of this. Hmm. I can say that, but you better believe I have to work at that. And hmm. I'm surrounded by the right people to make sure that I stay on track with this because it's not natural to me. Hmm.
0: It's not natural. It's not easy. It's it's hard to say, oh, I think I need to change. I think I need to grow. It takes humility and discipline to say, I think I need to change Myself, I think the
1: same thing. I look at love. I mean, love is something that everyone says, "Oh, I love you," or that's like it's a nice feeling. But I actually have to work at it because I don't actually love people naturally. I think I'm generally <laughs> could be, be I, I'm <laughs> kind of selfish and all that. But to, to be reminded that love is an action. It's not just a word. It's a verb. You know, it's something you you actively do and you practice. And I think that's something in your book you really hit off a lot of that idea that this is stuff that you choose to do, even if you're not good at it. And and you and one thing I may jump in ahead a little. But but I remember you talking about mentors. That was really something that I found really impactful about your book was finding mentors. And you just mentioned you were surrounding yourself with people who help you to get where you're trying to be or to be the person you want to be. Who are some people right now you'd say that help keep you on track or help you make sure that you're not straying from the path, I guess, so to speak. First of all, the, the whole idea about mentors, I've always
2: had that good habit of surrounding myself with people who I feel are smarter than I am, have more experience. And I have Zero issue with that. I'm, I'm humble enough to know that I need a lot of help, thankfully, because when I entered the beauty industry, and now I'm not a hairdresser, I've never been a hairdresser, I never went to college, not one day of college. I barely, and I mean barely, graduated from high school. <laughs> Apparently, they want you to show up. <laughs> I was busy, I told them. And so, I've always known that I need a lot of help in the beauty industry. And so, in the very, very beginning stages, 38 years ago, I was seeking out uh, who I researched as the smartest business people, the smartest, most talented artists. I stalked these people. I'd like to say that I'm a motivational speaker stalker. <laughs> I'm not a I, I wrote a book, but I don't read. Go figure. So how I've always gained <laughs> my information, my experience, my knowledge uh, was to ask a lot of questions. And so that's what I've always done is I've surrounded myself with a bunch of smart, smart people because At the end of the day, I have no control over being the smartest person in a room. Mm -hmm. And if I think that I do have control over that, like if I walk into a room and I see somebody who I believe is smarter than I am, that can hold me back, Mm -hmm. right? I can think to myself, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy. Or I can get all confrontational, like, well, who invited them? You know, why are they here? And there was a side of me that used to want to do that. Like, oh my gosh, they're smarter than I am. And I would be intimidated by that. Now, I know I will never be the smartest person in a room. That's never going to happen. And that's okay. I don't have to be the smartest person. Now, I do need to be the most positive person in a room. Mm. And I have control over that. I do need to always show a lot of love, a lot of gratitude whenever I walk into a room. And you better believe that's going to take me so far. I Mm -hmm. know that I always, always have to work really, 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 really hard because nobody can take that away from me. Mm -hmm. And I have control over those things. But when it comes to mentors, I have no problem at all surrounding myself with amazing, incredible people. And in choosing mentors, because I think that that was your question and I'm just (laughs) all over the map. There you go. That's all good. ADD has been very, very good to me, by the way. (laughs) Uh, uh, The question about mentors, you know, choose wisely your mentors. Because sometimes you ask for relationship advice from your friend who's been divorced three times and now she hates men. That's not a mentor. You should not be asking advice. Meaning a mentor, so listen up, a mentor is someone who has success in the area where you want success. Mm. Mm -hmm. And more than that, they've had to overcome things to get there. And so, if you're wanting success in relationships, well, make sure that you're seeking out the right mentors who have worked hard for their relationship. They know what monogamy and commitment looks like. Mm -hmm. And and they've been together for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And against all odds of people telling them, oh, just dump that person against all odds of all the struggles that a marriage can throw at you, they're still together. They're still passionate. They're still working at it. Mm. The same thing applies to to business. So we need all kinds of mentors because I don't believe that one mentor could encompass every area where we require growth and support. And so I have my mentors at the gym. I have my mentors artistically. Hmm. I have my mentors in the in the world of strong business women. Hmm. I have my mentors in the area of, of you name it. So yeah. lots
1: and lots of mentors. That's great. I often think of a mentor. Before I read your book, I always thought of just one person, like I, you, like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi or someone like that. Someone's like, that's my mentor. And I didn't really realize the idea of taking this and cutting it up. I mean, Branching find, out. finding the best in each part of the life that you wish to grow in, whether it's uh, something about the gym or spiritual or physical or education, that's, that's great. I think that's a wonderful that's idea. a great take on One of the things that I heard from, uh, I forget who, I think it was Scott White, a friend of ours, he said that he actually has dead mentors, and those are people who've written books. And he, doesn't, he says he doesn't like just reading books in the last 20, 30 years. He looks for people who've written books you know, 100, 200 years ago because— Because they have lasted. They've the lasted. Ideas have lasted. Their ideas have lasted more than just you know, a flash in the pan type of thought that, if this is something that was good 200 years ago and still is an idea that works today, then that's maybe something one to pay attention to. Oh, I,
2: I agree with that. I mean, my gosh, read about Thomas Jefferson, you know, read about Walt Disney, Yeah. you know, read about now people want to study who, the Kardashians. Really? I don't really care what <laughs> they have to say. You know, no, let's, yeah. let's study, let's study Mandino who wrote the greatest salesman in the world. Yes, mm. My gosh, he's, I don't know how long it's been since he passed at least 10 years, but that's still, that book probably had more profound impact on me than any other book. Mm -hmm. And it was such a simple book that you could read in an afternoon. And so lots and lots of of mentors.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I think, for you, do you actually go up to someone and say, will you mentor me? Or is it just something like you build a friendship and say, and just to get to know them? Is it just natural? Because I think some people maybe don't think this way and they're thinking, well, do I have to
2: like- well, Do I have the- to have a
0: form? <laughs> Are we officially in this mentee relationship? No,
2: sometimes that's the opening line. I admire you. I've been following you. I think you're amazing. Would you be my mentor? Could you do an interview with me? Could you answer a few questions? Hmm. You know, I'm I'm not asking them for a 30-year commitment. You know, can we just have one conversation? Is that enough? And we'll see where it goes from there. But let me just throw this in there. You you need to know about the people that you're asking to be your mentor. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just an example. I was asked to do an interview uh, about a month ago and you know, when we were all busy and crazy and there was just so much going on, I said, you know what, just send me the, the interview questions so I can get prepared for that, right? Yeah. And the questions were like, well, how long have you been a hairdresser? I'm like, wait a minute, they, yeah. they have no idea who I even am. No. Right? Yeah. And so I actually declined the interview simply mm. because, you know what, do your work first. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people want to be on Oprah, but they'd never even watched Oprah's show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. Whenever my students reach out to me, they say, oh, I would love to meet Tabitha Coffee." I'm like, have you watched every video you can get your hands on? Have you listened to all the interviews? Have you studied? Can you tell me 10 facts about Tabitha Coffee? And if you're not there yet, then you're not ready. Hmm. So do your research first. And so I've always done great research. So it, it really is from my heart when I approach somebody and say, I admire you. I'm in awe of what you've accomplished. I can be very detailed and specific with that Mm -hmm. so that when I come along and say, you know what, can I just interview you? Mm -hmm. I've never had anybody turn me down. Nobody has ever declined. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing it for a long time. So
1: obviously- 22 years. 22
2: years I've been doing this. You know, long before there was even such thing as a podcast, I was sitting down and recording these conversations. And now again, once a month, a new interview once a month. And I have
1: that library of 22 years. That's awesome. One of the things I remember hearing... I used to work in the film industry for um, back years ago. Another lifetime. Another lifetime. And I remember hearing this from quite a few people because people who make it in the film industry, once they get to a certain level, they start feeling compelled. They need to give back. They need to support and mentor others. And the problem is often everyone always thinks they just get drawn to the big names. Steven Spielberg, um, Coppola, whatever. The big names. That's who they really honor. or That's who they look up to. But the editor... The DP, some of the uh, key grips, some of these people that maybe aren't as big named, they're the ones that get overlooked all the time. And I found out a friend, a couple of friends of mine did this and they said, no, I just started calling editors that I respected their work. They did some TV shows, maybe they did a movie I really liked, but they weren't, you know, they hadn't won the Oscar yet. They weren't somehow lauded by the world as the greatest editor of all time. And amazingly said, can I take you out the coffee and just pick your brain for an afternoon? And he said, uh, this one friend of mine said, not once was he turned down. He says, I've actually now met with 10 amazing editors in the film industry. And these guys are like the forgotten voices. And yet they have so much knowledge, so much to give back. And he says, it's amazing how many people aren't willing to look or even ask for that help and they're ready and waiting. So I'm assuming the same thing is true in many other aspects of business where there are owners, there are salon owners, there are just business owners out there. If you're looking for help and there's someone you see that's doing something good, you should just go up and ask them and maybe offer to take them a coffee or at least sit down on the phone and and chat for a little bit. I think that's a great idea. And I think more people would, we would benefit so much and not have to reinvent the wheel ourselves (laughs) if we just go and ask someone for help once in a while.
2: I think the message that we were delivering, sharing earlier about how that one person does not have to encompass uh, every area where you're looking for input and advice, Mm -hmm. because I think what can happen is that we shoot the messenger. We discredit their message. It's like, well, you know, they're a successful hairdresser, but their marriage fell apart. So I don't really care what they have to say. They don't know. You're not asking them for marriage advice. You're asking them for advice in this area. And so that's why you need lots and lots of mentors. But you're exactly right. The Coppolas get asked all the time. And so their answer is going to be what? No, No. (laughs) I'm not available. I I don't have time. But all these other people. So yeah, it's that salon down the street from you. It's that one lash stylist who just seems to across town from you is just rocking it. Mm-hmm. you know for you to learn about them, study them and then hey can we just have coffee? do you mind? can I just take you to, to coffee? Can I take you to dinner and just pick your brain? yeah again, I've never been turned down and so I think that people are they're afraid to ask that somebody's going to decline and if they do you know what if they, if they do decline maybe it wasn't the right mentor anyway yeah, yeah. because you want a, a good mentor that comes from the heart and so they're giving not because they want anything in return but because they, they, they do have that passion for, for giving. And by the way, your mentors do not have to have years and years of experience. They don't have Mm. to have made a million dollars before they're now qualified to be your mentor or for you to be a mentor. Because Mm. if you have one day, I tell my students all the time, if you've been in school for this entire week, you now can be a mentor to that brand new student who's starting next week. Mm. Because you have one week of experience that they don't have yet. Mm. So what could you teach them? What could you mentor them? How could you help them? Through some of the pitfalls that you fell into during your first week. Was it scary? You couldn't find where the bathroom was, mm. you know, what you you couldn't figure out how to open your locker. Was it you didn't understand how the test worked? What mm. you didn't have any friends. Meaning, I could mentor you. I have one week of experience and I can mentor you so that your first week
1: is much smoother than mine was. I think that's cool because I think often people think, I'm not ready to mentor. I'm not qualified. I've not been doing this long enough. And I, I think that's great. You just take from what you've known now and you pass it on to those that are walking behind you. And that it doesn't, it, one week, even one week of experience is more than someone has no experience. So, and remember, we're storytellers. Mm. We all have a story to tell.
2: Everybody has a story to tell. Mm. And I think that that's how people learn. Yeah. You know, we could dictate and quote principles and doctrine. And, you know, I do that a little bit, but but if I'm going to quote a principle, I'm then going to back it up with a story, a personal mm. story about how I tried to implement that idea, that principle, and I fell flat on my face. And then I I went through this experience and I learned from a mentor and that cost me a lot of money or that cost me a lot of pain. But then I got back up on my feet and, and now here's the principle again, but it's backed up with my personal story. Now you said that some people think that they don't have enough experience to be a mentor. I've seen the opposite of that. Hmm. They think that because they have one year of experience working in a salon that somebody should pay them a million dollars (laughs) for their advice.
0: Oh my goodness. We see that rather than just giving
2: it for free rather than just, you know what I want to, I want to take care of who's coming behind me.
0: Yeah.
2: I want to take care of that next generation. And so, you know, I'm available for you because I had this one student who I think six months out of school, so he's in the salon six months and the, and the school's inviting him to come back as a guest speaker. Hmm. Meaning come in here and share with the rest of these brand new students what your six month experience has been like. He's yeah. like, well, I'll come if they pay me a thousand dollars. I'm like, really? Uh, and I had him name. I said, name all of the guest artists that <laughs> stood on the stage while you were in school. Name them all. Yeah. And he's rattling them off. I said, how much do you think I paid them? Not a dime.
1: Yeah. Now, I think that's something that we hear debates in the last world. There are people who share information freely all the time, just willing to give away. We're one of those people on our podcast, as well as on our Instagram page. We're trying to help people. In fact, we just wrote a book, an ebook. It's like, about how to reopen your Lash Salon. And we gave it away free. We just gave it out. So far, over a 1,000 copies out there. And we're now giving out the other Lash brands saying, please just send it out if you can to people. And it's been neat to see it just going out because we just want to help people. We're not worried about the money. We just want to help and, and encourage others.
0: In our but, industry.
1: But we've seen it too. There's been a couple of times with podcasts where I've asked people to come on and be like, well, how much will I get? And I'm like... Nothing. I mean, right? No offense. No one's paying me to be here either. This is just us trying to help the industry. Of course, our model is to try to build a following and then to sell things and all that. Of course, that's the bigger picture. But in the meantime, we still feel like if you give away everything and you just support others... Then things will come back to you. Good things will happen to you, and you don't have to sit here and and ask for every time someone asks you to be part of something. Well, the only thing that matters is the bottom line. What are you going to get? What am I going to get out of this financially? I think that's really a, a bad attitude and way, wrong way to go in the long term. It may work for you for a short term, but not long term.
2: And I think there's there's nothing wrong with wanting to make a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been paid to stand on stages. I've been paid upwards of ten thousand dollars to stand on a stage and speak for an hour right? Mm-hmm. And so you better believe. Yeah. Sometimes I say, no, you're going to pay me to do this. And other times it's like, oh, I have another paycheck someplace else and I, I've got time on my hands. So
1: let's do it. No, that's really great. And uh, we're super excited that you agreed to come to our podcast. Thank you.
0: It's It's <laughs> an attitude of a, abundance yeah. and it's just, you have a very generous spirit.
1: One of the things that I thought, People,
0: let's go into it. We've
1: already gone to the mentorship a little bit, but you wrote a book called "Be Nice or Else," and this book I really enjoyed reading it. And I thought we'd get into a little bit. But um, I guess we're about halfway here, but uh, we'll just get, see where this goes with your book "Be Nice or Else." What was really the inspiration for you? Because obviously, this must have come from somewhere other than just like I just want to make a book to sell some books. I mean, there's something that must have happened in your life, Can or something you, you
0: see a the, need that you'd be mad or addressed. The catalyst for that. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely.
2: There is a story behind it. And so thanks for asking the story. And by the way, I don't I haven't really shared this story a lot. So I have been clean off of drugs for 18 years. And so when I got clean 18 years ago, now prior to getting clean, I was already a business owner, I was already successful, I was already a paid speaker. So I already had a name for myself out there, and then all of a sudden I become a drug addict mm-hmm. later in life. You know, I kind of flip things around. Most people did that in their twenties, and then they got their career going. I got my career going, and then you know I do things backwards. <laughs> now, fortunately, my drug habit only lasted for a couple of years. But of course, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be really good at it. And so I was, <laughs> real, I was a really good drug addict. So I'm not diminishing, you know, the, how bad it was because mm-hmm. it was bad. But when I got clean. To kind of reinvent myself, I, I needed to journal. I needed mm. to write down. Okay, that's the person that I used to be. I'm now a different person. I have a clean slate. I have an opportunity to reinvent myself. Well, mm. then, well, then, who am I? Mm. Right? What do What do I believe? What do I What do I stand for? Mm. What What is my name? My reputation? My brand? All about moving forward because it got off track in a big way. Well, now to get it back on track and stay on track, I needed to journal. I needed to write things down. And so as I was doing that, there was a very, very small circle of of people that I would send them information. I would say, Hey, I just wrote this thought. What do you think about what I just wrote in my journal? Mm -hmm. I just wrote this idea and I uh, transcribed this story. You know, what do you think about this story? And in the process of doing that, some of the feedback that I got from this small circle of, of people was like, you know, this is good information. When maybe you should consider publishing this in some type of a book. Hmm. And then uh, Larry King is a friend of mine, and he said, if you write this book, I would like to write the forward for the book. And I was like, cha-ching! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it never really started off as a book. It's just started off as this is who I am. But then at the same time, as I was doing this and going through this process. Of getting clean and then journaling, we were also starting to open up Palm Mitchell schools. And so to go from one location to two locations, okay, you can handle that because I can still physically be in two locations. Three locations, okay, that's a little tougher. How can I be in three locations, right? And then, then the, the location where you're not in that day, they feel like they're being neglected, they're yeah. the stepchild, right? Well, then what you start having 10 locations in different yeah. states, There was no way, meaning if I physically could not be in the building, well, then my message, my heart, my belief system, who we are, what we stand for, our cultural beliefs needed to be fully present in every single building, in every single location, Mm -hmm. 24 seven. I physically couldn't be that person, but who we are, what we stand for as a company, as a culture needed to live strongly. And so You know, I tell salons and businesses all the time that you have to have systems because if you're relying on people, meaning human beings, to run your business, well, you're going to have inconsistency. And that's the last thing that a customer wants is inconsistency. Mm -hmm. They did a really good job with my eyelashes last month, but it sucked this month. Mm -hmm. The customer service was superb last time. This month, it was lacking. You know, how they answered the phone last time was so wonderful, and yet they're so mean and cold to me today. What happened? Why people, human beings, are inconsistent. And so, systems need to run your businesses. And systems only exist if they are written down. And so, that's the other level of what I was writing down. In addition to it being my journaling and my thoughts as I reinvented my personal life, it also then turned into systems for how we maintain a healthy culture.
3: Hmm.
2: And because this culture now has to be duplicated uh, over and over and over again in locations where I personally may never step foot in. And so all of that writing ended up being not only a company manual, but it also turned into a book. And now it's, I think in its 13th uh, printing. So life is good.
1: That's awesome. No, I think Coming up with systems is something we always talked about too. That how important it is because I think when people work by themselves, it's easy, right? Because you don't you're, need
0: it that much. You, yeah. You're in charge of everything. You can kind of keep your mind on this and that, and you know. But the minute you you have other, like you said, the other locations, and you have or to be even in- or
1: more staff. You hire more people, and you're not there. And you see, I hear this all the time with owners. Like, well, as soon as I walk out, it, you know, it just, ch- everything changes. The environment changes, the employees change.
0: And-, and our answer for that, though, is always, it's your fault. Yeah, well, it's yeah. our fault. It's our if fault. That happens. Your fault. It's your yeah. fault. You're it's exactly the, right. That's you know, the right answer.
1: Because we haven't built a system that really takes care of it, where there became accountability. I mean, this is something that I remember. We were strategies... Um, Co- um, coached by Strategies with Neil Dukoff and we loved the Strategies Love model and their whole thing was we heard stories of staff coaching each other and supporting each other and we didn't see that in our own salon and we would be we'd go home crying after being at a meeting or conference or training like our staff doesn't do it they did like as soon as we turn walk away they stop they don't care like all the rules don't matter anymore it was the
0: rudest awakening it was the rudest awakening to have our coach be like the problem guys is not the staff the problem is you we're like
1: because I think they said, I think, like, talking, huh? I think the talk we went to says, cut the cancer out of your company. And we're like, who?
0: And then the first question is, write down what the cancer is. And we're like, no, yeah, oh, let me staff. tell you. And then the teacher's like, uh-uh, no, the cancer is you. Yeah. You and need. we're just like,
3: oh, my god, I gosh. don't want
0: it to be my fault because then I have to, like, be responsible to change. to change it. But that was that hard, you know, come to Jesus moment.
1: Yeah. And for us, we did change. And we did finally, um, the last few years of our salon, we did see our own team coaching each other and holding each other accountable and the systems finally began to take place. But it, man, it took us years to learn to be better leaders and also to empower. It wasn't just about us being bosses anymore. It was about empowering our team to take leadership. Kind of like what you said earlier where it doesn't matter if you're as an employee or if you're the owner. Everyone has to worry about their own brand. Who are they going to be? Where When that day is done, are they proud of who they are and what they did and what they accomplished? Or are they just, you know, Trying to cut every corner and, in a sense, really do the least amount of work possible, which I think at the end it's hard to be proud of that.
2: You know, a lot of people they live by that attitude of, well, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And to me, that's the stupidest belief system. Yeah. Can because you- if you want to expand, meaning if you're the smartest, most talented person working in your salon, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Cause that means that you're forced to work 12 hours a day seven days a week and you can never take time off because the second you take time off, you don't make money. Mm -hmm. The second you take time off that things fall apart because there's not a system in place to maintain that consistency. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to empower each other. And the only way that you can do that again is back to the foundation, the foundation of systems. Systems are written down. How we answer the phone is written down Mm -hmm. so that all of us answer the phone the exact same way. How we handle a complaining guest is written down. Mm -hmm. Because one person might want to blame the customer, it's your fault that you're not happy. (laughs) We all know that that doesn't work, right? (laughs) Right? So no, no, no. this is exactly how we handle a complaining guest. This is exactly what we do. This is what we don't do. It's written down. We're all on the same page. You know, I, I like to tell people, uh, if you get a job at McDonald's, you know, you can't show up with your own recipe for a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, exactly. Now, Wynn, can you share this? Is your book, is it part of the curriculum? Is it part of the required reading?
2: Oh, yeah. Every student receives it as part of their, their kit. When they sign up for school, that's the first thing that they receive, whether it's a physical book or, a, or an e-book. Um, and, it's, and it's part of, of reading and you know, some of them are like, you know, I got my book and I was like, you know, this is not what I signed up
3: for. I <laughs> learned,
2: I signed up to learn how to cut hair. Why are they forcing me to read this stupid book? And, you know, so yeah, I get that. And the others are like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I was looking for without realizing that I was looking for something. Because I believe that people have three basic human needs people need to feel safe.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You can have the best cutting curriculum. You could have the best technical curriculum on how to do the most beautiful lashes on the planet. But if people do not feel safe in your environment, and I'm talking about customers, all team members, if people do not feel safe, people are not going to stick around. Customers won't stick around. Team members will not stick around. So people need to feel safe. People need to feel that they belong. Mm -hmm. And people need to feel that they have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And none of those have anything to do with, oh, you need to sell more product around here. That's right. None of those have anything to do with you're the most talented person and therefore you don't have to provide basic human needs for the other team members that work here as well.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that need to belong? How do you address that? How do you meet those needs? How do you, okay. as a system?
2: It's a very important need because 60% of people say, no one has my back. Mm-hmm. And by the way, half of them are married. Mm. (laughs) So we we see that as kind of a sad thing and it is kind of sad, but what a wonderful opportunity we have. If we can create a culture, we create a business where people feel finally that like they belong. Some people feel like like they don't even belong at home. I love telling the story of a, a team member. After being in the salon business for a couple of years, this woman pulled me aside And she had worked there for those first two years. She pulled me aside privately and she said, When I want you to know that for the last 20 years, I have been in a very abusive marriage. But because of working here for the last two years, I now have the courage to divorce this man. Mm. And I was like, huh? (laughs) She's like, When I've been in this horrible marriage for 20 years, but for the last two years, when I come to work every single day, I feel loved. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm making a difference. I feel like I matter. I feel safe. And because of that, I now have the courage to divorce this man. Mm -hmm. That was a huge wake-up call for me. Mm -hmm. Because up until that point, I thought that my only role, my only responsibility as a business leader, as a business owner, was to create a place where people come to earn a paycheck. What she taught me was the responsibility that I have, and I believe that every team member has the same responsibility to create that safe, loving environment for people. So to answer that question, how do we do that? Where people feel like they have that sense of belonging, communication is key. Mm. I like to tell people that whenever there's a problem in your salon, that problem came up because relationships break down. Mm -hmm. And I believe that relationships break down because there's a lack of communication Mm. End of story. It's not like our relationship broke down because I decided to become a jerk one day. No, that's not what happened. What happened was we're not communicating. And when we don't communicate, things are going to break down. I mean, how successful would your marriage be if the two of you got together to communicate just mm, once a month?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think we tried at some point. It didn't work very well. It doesn't
2: work. It doesn't
0: work.
2: Well, my gosh, sometimes we spend more time with those people at work than we do with our own spouse, our own partner. Mm -hmm. And so communication is just so, so important. And so it has to be built within the systems that we communicate. This is how we communicate. Mm -hmm. We have very specific guidelines. First of all, it's scheduled. I can tell you exactly where every team member When every future professional is going to have a meeting, they're going to have a gathering in every single location. I can tell you exactly when that is going to happen. I can also tell you exactly how long it's going to last. I can tell you what they're going to talk about, what they're going to discuss, what they are not going to discuss. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the words that they will use, the words that they will not use. Mm -hmm. Because just like the Ritz Carlton and other companies, we are scripted, Mm -hmm. we have the proper language in place. So we make sure that communication is happening.
1: I love it because that's really what we did with our salon. We found out, I mean, obviously, if you know about strategies, they're big on huddles, which I found out that Nordstrom's and and Rich carlton and other companies do. So every day, we would meet and we would talk. I don't think we went as far as you said, which I think, looking back, we probably should have. It's about scripting things even more. This is
0: wisdom because because he's equipped the team with systems so that they can check that criteria. They can check in. It also kind of alleviates some of the thinking from leadership. I mean, he's you know
1: but you also know you're safe because you're working within the guidelines of what you were told to versus guessing and hoping you're on target or on message and you might be or may may not be and then all of a sudden you're creating a little bit more drama in the company because you're no longer really within the what i'd say is what the company's trying to accomplish well
2: there's there's guidelines to avoid the drama because (laughs) first of all a lot of people it's either joy or pain that motivate people Mm -hmm. so what i'm right now saying oh you have to have Uh, Staff meetings, you have to have team huddles. A lot of people listening to this are like, Ooh, I
0: know.
2: Team huddles are painful. Mm. See, people will avoid pain. I don't care how much you threaten people to come to a team huddle. If team huddles are painful experiences, people aren't going to show up. And by the way, why should they? Mm -hmm. People avoid pain. Mm. And so, team huddles, we have to say, okay, like they have a 20 minute meeting, a huddle. Every single morning in all of my locations, it lasts for 20 minutes. And everybody knows that because people come into a team huddle and it can last on, you know, an hour, two hours. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, that was just two hours of wasted time. No, if there were 20 people in that room, that was 40 hours of (laughs) wasted time, yeah, unproductive time. And what did it turn into? A bitch session. (sighs) Mm -hmm. It's your fault. Blame, excuses, pointing the finger. See, that can't happen. Mm -hmm. So in my book, I share very specific. It's called Gathering Guidelines. Mm. I think there are 10 gathering guidelines that people follow. If this 20 minutes is to be successful, and why do we need it to be successful? Because people have that basic human need of belonging to something that's bigger than themselves. To maintain that, we have to communicate. We need strong relationships. To make sure that our time is productive, we follow these 10 guidelines.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that we, um, and Neil Dukov would joke about this, you have your quarterly meetings or your quarterly reviews once a year. And uh, the idea is that salons, when you have staff, don't meet with their team. They don't make it a priority. They don't really communicate to their team. They care. And I remember this happened. This is a lesson I learned. There was a season where we did reviews four times a year. We did a sit down, 10 minutes, sit down once a month. And then we did huddles every day. So we were really big on communication. We originally thought all you needed to do was post a memo in the break room. The
0: memo on the fridge. And
1: then let everyone sign it saying that they read the memo. And I found out, wow, no one reads the memo. They just sign it. (laughs) move on because we weren't showing that we cared. We weren't trying to keep it. That's not leadership. But the real big painful lesson for me is that we got, we're in this season. I forget what it was. And I had scheduled these reviews and I decided to delay them. I decided to put them off. Say, no, we'll do it next month. I did not realize what kind of distrust and heartbreak that I actually created on our team because they I always thought reviews because they were common, like, oh, it's no big deal, it's just one review. But then someone quietly came aside, and says, You know what? You've canceled everyone's reviews this month. And I got You've sure been working on it. People were ready to sit down with you and have a conversation about important yeah. things. And you basically just told them you're not important. Right. It was painful, and so one of the things that I look like – so, yes, communication. A great book, by the way, that I love is called E-Myth. It talks about systems. It really shows how if you want to go beyond just a single operator working by yourself, how you're not going to be able to do that unless you have systems in place. Otherwise, you are going to, like they said – and I think this is common in the beauty world. You work 80 hours a week behind a chair. You have no time off. The only money you make is what you make while you're working, and that's because you don't have any systems, and it's kind of like crazy. So there's a, a good book to check into. One more thing I thought we'd get into because I realized I just looked at the time. Time is flying, and this is good. But I wanted to ask, this is something for us that hit us really hard because we actually, when we heard your talk, and I loved how you just really built a positive environment in your company, and one of the things that we had always heard is you know, gossip is one of the biggest killers of culture, if not the biggest killer of culture, I think. And salons are notorious for having a lot of gossip and people in the back break room talking about all sorts of things. So we went back and we really tried to enforce a new idea. Like, guys, gossiping is now a fireball offense. And I realized looking back, we really didn't empower them. We just said, don't do this anymore. But we didn't give them something else to do other than that. We just said, hey, if you got a problem, go talk to the person who can solve that problem, which I thought was pretty good advice. But I really liked what you came up with was a concept of having a bitch buddy.
0: <laughs> I love the bitch buddy. Oh, the bitch buddy.
1: And I felt like that was like a, a wonderful idea. So I just thought maybe you could share a little bit about that, where that came from and how that relates to what I just mentioned about gossiping and all that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, first of all, you know, we, get, we can tell people in the industry, lash stylists, hairdressers, barbers, to don't do something. And we all know they're the rebels. They're uh, rule breakers, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which also is one of the reasons why their clients love them so much because they're, you know, they're, they're so entertaining, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so that's just kind of part of their personality, you know, and so, um, but you're right. You have to replace it. You have to give them the reasons why. Mm-hmm. So, again, back to the three basic human needs. People need to feel safe. People need to feel that they belong and people need to feel that they have a purpose, so if, if there is gossip, if gossip is prominent in your salon, if that's part of the culture that you work in every single day, do people feel safe? Hmm. No. And if people do not feel safe, do we bring out the best in them? No.
3: Hmm.
2: No, we don't. You know, I tell that joke, um, a salon owner is given a tour of her salon and the person asks, uh, so how many people work here? And the salon owner responded with, oh, about half, about half work here. <laughs> And the reason why that can't happen is because people don't feel safe. Mm. People don't feel engaged. Maybe they feel engaged with their time, meaning they show up for one thing and one thing only, and that is to receive a paycheck. But they don't feel engaged and connected with their creativity, with their passion, with their heart, with their soul. And why? They don't feel safe. And why don't they feel safe? Well, because there's gossip here. Mm. I tell people or I ask them the question, can gossip destroy someone? And of course, the answer is, well, yes, it can destroy someone. Okay, well, then that's kind of violent in a way. Mm -hmm. Gossip is verbal violence. And you're participating in that. It's a conversation that I can have with them. Hmm. You're participating in that. Why would you want to do that to your team members, let alone what you're doing to yourself and your own happiness and your own self-esteem and your own confidence? Today is the day you can choose to move away from this. Choose differently. Yeah, yesterday I used to love gossip, but today I changed my mind because I know even if it's frivolous gossip, and I don't really think that it's causing harm or if, if just a little bit of frivolous gossip, if that can make one team member feel as though they are not safe, oh my gosh, what did I just do to them? Mm. What did I just do to that person? So when you have those kinds of conversations and you help people see it from a different point of view, and it's a conversation. It's not, you know, you gossip, whoremonger you. Mm-hmm. It's not an attack. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a conversation. It's not just a discipline. It's a conversation. Let's have a conversation. What do we want to create for each other here? What kind of an environment do we want to create? Do we want this to be like a Jerry Springer show every day? Do we want this to be like high school where they're more important than other people, that the spotlight maybe is on the wrong people or too much on one type of a person and others feel left out? Is that what we want? Or do we want something different? And if we want something different, you guys help me create that. What does it look like? And by the way, this is not just a conversation between the boss and employees, this would be a conversation of a of a bunch of booth renters we're all occupying the same space in this building if there's gossip in your space in your little lease booth is that going to impact my clientele absolutely it will because that comes with energy and people feel energy they pick up on that gossip energy we don't want that to happen so what could we as fellow booth renters here what can we all create together so that when a customer walks in this building, first of all, again, they don't care how we're being compensated. Mm-mm. They don't say, well, I'm sorry, but we're all booth renters. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter that I'm professional and they're not. No, it, it matters. Mm. So what <laughs> yeah. can we all create together here? And then we sit down and we define that. We write it down. We talk about it. We remind each other. It's an ongoing conversation. We have communication about it, just as we do to keep our marriages strong and alive and on track. We do that as business partners in in the salon, in the least Mm space, right? And in those conversations, once we all agree, if someone gets off track, we can pull that out. Hey, remember we all sat down and we all agreed mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. By the way, you were, you were a part of that conversation. You were, you were someone who spoke up and said, yeah, that's not who we are. Mm-hmm. That's not what we want. We don't want to feel like this is high school anymore. We don't want this to feel like the old salon. By the way, we quit that old salon because there was gossip there. Mm-hmm. And now we recreated it here in this space. Come on, we want something more. We're bigger than this. Let's yeah. get on track with this.
1: I think that's great. Cause I think again, just saying don't do this, stop that is not enough. And, and it shows again that you care when you sit down and you communicate. And I think you inspire people because you want you say, Let's aim for something better than this. Let's not just be average. Let's be the best employer or be the best teammate or the best co worker. That's
2: what leaders do. Yeah. You know, leaders
1: inspire. You know, okay, so we're going through a huge bump
2: in the road right now. Oh my gosh. Would it be okay if I if you all found out that I've been spending the last three months during quarantine on some beach someplace, you know, (laughs) away from all of this? No, this is when I need to step up more than ever before. And Mm. and by the way, so do all of you. Mm. Anybody listening to this, this is the time where we need to step up. I'm going to come out of this situation stronger. I'm going to come out of this divorce stronger. I'm not bitter Because of this bad relationship, I'm going to come out of this drug addiction stronger and better, empowered. And I want to inspire other people with my story so that maybe other people can avoid becoming a drug addict. They can quickly get into recovery because I'm sharing my story and my experiences with them, just as my mentors do for me.
1: Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. great. I think that was the big thing I remember watching you speak at Serious Business was the stories. And how you even finished it when you read, you didn't read from memory, you retold your daughter's favorite story and just showing how impactful, I mean, I think there was a dry eye in the house. It it literally is one of the most moving moments.
0: Favorite part. (laughs) 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 Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And that type of care, when you know something's important to someone, then you're going to go and, and you're going to do it with your actions. You're not going to just say, hey, I love you. No, no shut up. You're going to memorize your daughter's story and how special that was for you to do it. He, actually, if you, if you guys haven't seen it, I think you actually, I've seen it online too on YouTube, but you actually put a, a, a mask on your face. So you, it's obviously you've memorized the story and it's not a, a two second story either. It's okay, quite what, extensive. What, what
0: he's talking about, guys, is when Clay gave his speech at, at Serious Business and as an as homage of love to his daughter, which yeah. he goes through the story. I encourage you to look at it if you can. It's just so endearing and so sweet. Yeah.
1: Anyhow, and that all said, it's just a, again, showing that care, that love, that kindness, or as you say, be nice or else, which I, I love the, the subtle threat there. <laughs> so I thought it was a funny. You know what? It's actually it's so funny. It's really not a threat. Yeah. What it is, is is be
2: nice or live a miserable life. Ah. Be be nice or be a horrible parent.
1: Yeah. There's I, the option. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And I'm I'm thankful to hear that too because I know that I grew up when I was working in the film industry, everyone always said, you you can't be nice. You have to be cutthroat. You have to be, if you want to succeed, I mean, I've had friends who said, well, I could only get so far in a company because I didn't have that mean attitude that willing to step on other people's because they were nice people. But as I've gotten older in my life and I've met more people who are successful, I, I think I reject that idea completely now. I really have seen a lot of good people rise up, grow, do amazing things, be notable. And I think being nice is actually probably one of the reasons why they got to where they're at because they treat people with respect. They treat everyone that was well, someone who's important in their life. They're not taking advantage or looking for how they can manipulate this relationship for something better than themselves. I think that's an old idea that's is dying out, thank God. Yeah, meanness is weakness.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Being
2: nice, that's a strong, powerful attribute. So remember. when somebody says, you know what, you're too nice. From now on, just say, well, thank you.
0: (laughs) It's kind of like the word meek. In our day, the word meek doesn't really get a good uh, rap. Because meek is actually powerful, but it's wrapped in humility and self-control. So it is... It's safe, you know, but meekness, we always think about, oh, somebody has no, you know, strength just gets no meek is a cloak of humility and power.
2: (laughs) That's perfect. That's beautiful.
0: When,
1: thank you so much. It's been wonderful getting to talk to you. I wish we had more time. I just thought real quickly, one last question, and then maybe you can share also after that where people can find you and all that. First off, I like asking everyone this question is what legacy do you want to leave with your life?
2: Yeah. I just want to be a good dad.
1: That's great.
0: That is the best investment ever. Yeah, <laughs> our kids are are worth it. Yeah, more
1: than yeah, more important just, than all the other accomplishments is your, your daughter one day going. That's my dad. And look at what amazing father he was to, for me. That's great. Now I'm
2: blessed in that I have the financial means to when my daughter was born, I could I moved my office to my home, so I'm the last person she sees every night. I'm the first person she sees every morning. I'm the room parent for her second grade class. By the way, I was the room parent for pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, and now. So four years in a row, I'm the room. Par- By the way, out of all the room parents, it's me and a bunch of moms. I'm the only dad. That's awesome. Makes me want makes makes to start drinking again, though. <laughs> I,
1: know,
0: I, <laughs> I, know. Was, I was I a was so lot that
1: way. Tess,
2: I, I was we,
0: behind the chair. She and, was working
1: and
2: I stayed and home and I like, take care of
0: the kids. Taking Girl and I worked at home too, yeah. but it was
1: like, we split that a lot. So I loved it. I felt it was very special to be the only guy often at these things. It was like, well, my daughter got meeting, to look up yeah. and see me at the meetings <laughs> and all that. It was really cool. That's cool. Last thing is, you know, where can people find you? Obviously, you know, you have podcasts and other stuff. So let's uh, tell everyone where they yeah. should go right now.
2: Just all through my name. My website is Uh Through my website, they can find the, the master's podcasts, uh, master's podcast club, again, all free. They can listen to hundreds of, of interviews that I've been doing for years and years. And I still continue to I just interviewed this incredible guy a couple of weeks ago named Charlie Ingo, who ran across the Sahara Desert. He ran across that. I mean, it took him 111 days and he had to basically run two marathons every single day for 111 days in sand. I mean, wait to hear his story. So I, I still do that. My Facebook, my uh, Instagram, it's all just my name, Win
1: Claybaugh. Awesome. So that's when your name can just be, you know, you know, on everything. You know, you can be found no matter what you do. Just type in Win.
0: It's definitely. Yeah, there's not too many Win Claybaugh.
1: Yeah, not too a lot of them. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you for
0: sharing your heart with us. Yeah,
1: we really do appreciate it. It's been a blessing. And otherwise, we will, everyone out there, we will guys see you again at the next show.
2: You guys are a joy to spend oh. time with us. So thank you so, so much for this. I appreciate it a lot.
0: The feeling is mutual.
2: Thanks, you guys.
1: Wraps up this show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at LashCastPodcast and at the last Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. And by the way, I want to let you guys know that the top two tier tickets for the conference are limited in their scope and time that we can sell. We can't sell them forever and we don't have an unlimited amount of tickets because we're sending out swag bags, we got t-shirts, all these goodies. So if you want to get one of those tickets, I'd really advise you to go right now to the LashConference.com or go to our Instagram page and click on the link in the bio and get your tickets today. On behalf of my Lash lover, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Win, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.